Hi again, everyone. Welcome to LJN Radio. I'm your host, Tim Muma. On this episode of Management Decisions, we're talking about social security and more specifically, what types of things can sneak up on you when we're talking about collecting this benefit at the end of your career. With us to talk about this in more detail, we have Alex Manassa on the phone. Alex is a senior financial advisor for Zarka Financial, and he brings with him a ton of great experience and insight for this topic. Alex, thanks a lot for joining us today. It's good to be here. Thank you. Now, the topic of Social Security, I think, uh, can be a little confusing for some people. Maybe they think they have an idea, but they're not really sure of how it all works. So let's start there. Can you first give the listeners just a breakdown of what Social Security actually is and how it all works? Absolutely. Um, Social Security is one of the most important components of anybody's retirement planning. Really, really it is. And, and this is for everybody. It's universal. Sure. What it really is, is it's a defined benefit pension plan. Defined benefit means a fixed income pension plan. That's what Social Security is all about. It's a pension plan that anybody who's worked is enrolled in. And so uh, along with your other uh, retirement income sources you're going to have, hopefully you have your own savings, you have a 401k or IRA. Right. But for many people, Social Security is really the most important single element of their retirement income. So it's, it's, a, it's a pension plan everybody's in. That's what it really amounts to. Well, with that, let's get into some of the items that essentially could sneak up on people. We're talking about Social Security. I guess the first thing is, what is the current state of the Social Security program? Because I know a lot of people are concerned about what's going on now, what's going to happen in the future. How do you see the current state of the program? That's really such a good question. These are some things that might, uh, I don't want to alarm anybody because the system <laughs> is going to be around. Okay? okay, It's going to be around. I, I, you know, Don't worry. But it may not pay a 100% of the benefits that have been promised. That's mm -hmm. the bottom line. I'm, I'm going to go right to the end and tell you that first. <laughs> but the thing about Social Security is, think about these two amorphous groups of people. You have people that are working today and people that are retired today. Right. Okay, Think of these two groups of people. Each year, the people that are working pay Social Security tax. And that money, along with the employer match, goes to pay the group of people that are retired today, this year. That's the way it works every year. So as you can imagine, that group of workers you know, uh, gets bigger or smaller each year, mm -hmm. and the group of retirees gets bigger or smaller each year. By the way, that group of retirees, it doesn't really get smaller. The group of retirees is getting bigger and bigger every year, and hence the problem. Okay, The, the pool of workers is shrinking compared to the group of retirees. Uh, and you know why that is, right? Uh, the baby boomers. Sure. That, that's the big reason. What other things might affect what is left in the program or what's left for individuals? Is it simply a matter of that workers to retirees? Are there other items that could impact? Yes. Okay. Well, here's the thing. See, so you have these workers paying in every year and you have this group of retirees. So just imagine every day, thousands of baby boomers uh, switch from the worker group to the retiree group. And right. this is going on in mass right now. So that group of retirees is bulging and bulging. Now, in the past, believe it or not, they collected more every year from workers than they needed for the retirees hmm. in those previous years. Can you believe that? That was called the Social Security surplus. They, they, they took more money from workers' pay than they needed every year. Now, you would think they would take that surplus, and what would you imagine they might do with that, with that money? Uh, uh, maybe save it, right? right, right. Save it for later. <laughs> When the group of retirees gets bigger, right? Does, does that make sense? It makes sense. Yeah, well, it's logical. <laughs> the, the government didn't do that. They oh, spent boy. it every <laughs> single year. You see, because the rest of the government was already borrowing more money, uh, you know, spending more than they took in. Sure. They were borrowing. So in a sense, they borrowed, so to speak, from the social system. Okay. But this is like, this is like your, your, your next door neighbor or your uncle who wastes a lot of money and spends more than he has and borrows money from you every year. Okay. When it's time for you to get that money back, 
he's going to look at his pockets, you know, and then they're going to be empty. He's going to say, well, I've been borrowing from you every year for, right. just for me to make my expenses. You want money from back from me now? That's really what it amounts to. As that group of retirees gets bigger and bigger, uh, we're just about on the threshold right now of a, a year where the social collections don't cover what the retirees need. Okay. And the question is, what are they going to do to get that extra money? Uh, they're going to have to raise taxes or trim around the edges of, of the system is really what they're going to have to do. So there's, you know, there's things they've thought about doing. Let me get to, right to the end here. If they don't change anything, actuaries are saying the benefits might pay like 70 or 75% of what's been promised. Okay. okay? So it's not the end of the world. Right. I mean, we still have these masses of workers every year paying all this money. It's not going to go, quote, go broke or anything, but everyone may not get what they're promised. That's the thing. Now, there have been suggestions as to what to do, you know, to, to nibble around the edges and make the system solvent, more solvent. The problem, guess what the problem is? Voters. Nobody ah. wants, wants to make any changes at all. Sure. For example, one of the things, you know, you might be wondering, well, like, what have they thought about doing? Raising the retirement age. You know, right now it's 66, uh -huh. you know, the normal retirement age. Well, that used to be a good retirement age, but, but now with people living much, much longer, they're saying, why don't they raise the retirement age maybe to uh, 70, you know, 68, 70, a little higher. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of change that would really help keep the system solvent for much longer. Okay. Well, uh, so as you said, not the end of the world, maybe a little disheartening for people, but uh, we'll see what happens moving forward. Yeah. Let's look at some of the other aspects that do impact or could affect one's social security. How can one's relationship, specifically talking about marriage, actually impact their social security, either person? Oh, this is huge. This is huge. One of the things I always say in group presentations and things, did you know that there, are, there is a group of people, and this is right on the cusp when we talk about social security solvency, okay? Uh -huh. You know there's a group of people that have never worked and paid a dime ever into the system and yet draw benefits. Did you know that? <laughs> I wasn't aware beforehand, no. <laughs> yes. There's a, there's a group of people that, that that's happened. They've never, I'm going to repeat that. They've never worked a day in their life, right. and yet they're drawing benefits. So whenever I ask this to a group, and I ask, does anybody have any idea who, you know, who those people are? What do you think? Do you have any guesses as to who they might be? I always get the same couple of guesses. Well, uh, isn't it, yeah, isn't it the spouses of, uh, the, a spouse of someone who did work their whole life, but the other person didn't? Well, you are, you are correct. But normally, you know, <laughs> people raise their hands and so, somebody always says immigrants. Ah. Okay. No, we don't, we don't have waves of illegal, illegal immigrants drawing, you know, social right. security benefits. Right. No, that's, that's not correct. Okay. Then people will raise their hand and say, well, disabled or whatever. And, you know, they can draw benefits, but that's not the big one. The sure. big one is what you, exactly what you said, spouses. All you have to do is be married to somebody who worked and paid into the system. Uh -huh. Not only do they get the, does the worker get their own benefit, but believe it or not, just because you were married to them, you get a benefit also. Wow. Okay, spouses. And that, that's, that's a huge, huge draw. Uh, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, good or bad. I'm just stating the fact. Right. Now, when that benefit was added, you know, way back decades ago, they did not change the funding formula to pay for that. Okay. So that's one of the things that's really causing uh, a huge thing. So if you are just, uh, a lot of people are shocked by this, you know, the homemaker spouse, let's say, they're shocked. They're like, you mean, I, I never worked, but you mean I'm going to get money from social? <laughs> the answer is yes, absolutely. Absolutely, you will. Uh, as long as you were married uh, at least 10 years. Yes. And the, uh, the amount of the benefit is half of what the working spouse wow. uh, gets. So uh, th think about this. Uh, I'm, I'll tell you an example. This is not unusual at all. The working spouse gets $2,000 a month. Okay. The, the non-working spouse who never worked a day in their life gets $1,000 a month. <laughs> 
uh, mm-hmm. extra, half of that. So that's 3000 a month total. That's $36,000 a year coming into the, that household wow. from Social Security. That's the reason, if you're wondering, you know, what are the strains on the system? Right. You know, that's, that's one of the examples. I have a lot of clients exactly in that situation. They're, they're getting thirty or, or 35000 a year into their household from Social Security. So what happens if both spouses did work or what if one worked for a period of time and then they stopped? I mean, is that all factored in by percentages? How does that all work? Here's what happens. Every spouse has a choice. They can collect on their own record or they can collect on the spousal benefit if that's higher. Okay. So in the example I gave where the one a working spouse is getting 2000 a month, the spouse would qualify for a spousal benefit of 1000 a month. Right. Now, if that spouse had had any kind of work record and their own benefit on their own work record was higher, then they would get their own benefit on okay. their own record. But if, if they didn't work enough to generate an, a benefit of 1000 a month at least, then they could just take the spousal benefit sure. if that's higher. Uh, one thing we haven't asked yet, but I get asked this by a lot of clients, so I'm just going to jump in and, and, and answer. <laughs> what if somebody passes away? Uh-huh. Okay, very common. If that happens, then the surviving spouse gets to choose either what the working spouse was getting or what they were getting, whichever is higher. Okay, okay. so in my example, you wouldn't keep getting three thousand a month into the household. The surviving, let's say, the working spouse passes, right. the survivor would go from their one thousand uh, spousal benefit. They would they would drop that, but they would get the two thousand a month that the the person who died was getting. Gotcha. Okay, gotcha. so that that's so they get the higher of the two is is what I'm saying if right. one passes away. That is fascinating. I would I would venture I guess most people don't know most of what you're telling us right now, let alone any of it probably, but I think that is interesting stuff and something people should keep in mind. How about the idea of age and how that might impact collecting benefits oh, as far as maybe yes. older I mean you you briefly touched on raising the retirement age, but how much does age and working how does that all play a role? Excellent question. And this applies to everybody and they need to understand this, okay? It's all geared on what's called your normal retirement age. Okay. Now, this is, depends on the actual month you were born. But for most people, I'm just going to tell you, it's 66. Okay? Uh-huh. It's very close to age 66. That's your, quote, normal retirement age, your NRA. Okay, I, I shouldn't say NRA because <laughs> everyone's going to think of the right. rightful thing. But your normal retirement age, okay? If you take your benefit, you, you can take it earlier. You can take it as early as 62. That's mm-hmm. a linchpin age. 62. A lot of people peg their retirements to um, 62 because that's when you can begin taking early SOCH. But if you do that, they're going to reduce the benefit. It's reduced by about 8% a year for how many years. So it's about about a uh, 35% reduction if you take it at 62. So the question always is, when should you take your benefit? Should you take it early? Oh, by the way, if you don't, you don't have to take it at 66. If you let it, if you wait, It'll keep growing at eight percent a year, so oh. you can. It'll grow all the way till you turn seventy. Nice. So it'll be thirty-five percent higher than the normal benefit if you wait till seventy. So it keeps going up, is what I'm saying. So the question becomes, when I, I get this asked by, by all all clients, when should I take my benefits? So let me give you a little a little way to think about it. Let's take two people. One is sixty-two and took it right away. The other waited till they were sixty-six. Okay. Okay. A and B. A took it early. B waited. A is ahead for the first four years, obviously, because B waited. They're getting nothing for the first four years from 62 to 66. You follow that? B waited. Sure. B waited. So they're getting nothing. A, even though they got a reduced benefit, A started taking four years earlier, right? So A is ahead after four years. When, when When they both turned 66, A has been collecting for four years. 
but B hasn't, hasn't taken a dime yet. So A is ahead. But starting at 66, B starts to catch up because B's benefit is higher every month. You follow that? Because yep. B's weighted. So B starts to catch up. So the question is, when is break even? Okay, when does B catch up and, and collect, end up collecting, having collected as much as the early person, right. A? The answer is right around age 79, oh. right around 78, 79. The answer, it varies by a couple years if you want to uh, include the interest A could earn on the four years of, okay. of what they collected, okay? Sure. Uh, that, that's no big deal. But so the question is, if you think you're going to live past, uh, if you think you're going to live into your 80s, you're better off waiting. Okay. Right. If you don't think you're, it's, it's funny how many clients in my office, they think, you know, now, now, now they, they don't think they're going to make it. They think about their parents. Oh, Alex, you know, my, my, my dad dropped out of a heart attack at, you know, at 73 and my mom made it to 76. Right. But people are living much, much longer. So it's a bit of a gamble to assume you're not going to make it past 80. You know, life expectancies are showing that the vast majority of people who make it to 65 are going to make it to close to 80. They are. So if you get to that threshold, then you're going to be probably living longer is, is kind of the idea there. Yes. If you think you're going to make it into the 80s, I mean, who really knows? But, right. you know, statistically, there's a good chance you will. Then it's better to wait. Now, here, here's another kicker. OK, what's the elephant that, that comes in, knocks everything over and that says you should never take it early? Let me tell you this. This happens a lot if you're still working. Right. If you're still working before 66, before your, na- your normal retirement age, you do not want to take it early because there's what's called an earnings test. If you make more than about 15 grand a year, that changes every year. It's indexed for inflation. But sure. if you make more than about 15 grand a year, they're going to reduce your benefit by how much you make. Oh. Okay. There's a formula. It's the, you know, they reduce the benefit for, by a dollar for every $2 you make over that 15 grand. But okay. n- now I, w- I want to reiterate, this is only if you take early benefits before 66. Sure. Once you turn 66, you can take your SOCH, you can work, and your, your SOCH isn't reduced by your earnings. Okay. Wow. But, but if, you're, if you're retiring, if you're wanting, thinking of taking it early at 62, so let's say a client is still making 30 grand a year, Okay, they do not want to take benefits early. Right. They do not. If they're making 25, 30, 35 or more, because the earnings test is going to really bite them hard. I think that's great. To, for, again, just that knowledge for people who are listening, um, those little details that maybe people weren't sure of, didn't hear about. But I think that's very fascinating stuff when it comes to the social security side of things. Now, what is the maximum benefit that can basically be paid out to individuals when, when it's all said and done? Okay, this is another interesting, very, very interesting point. The maximum benefit I've seen is around twenty seven hundred a month, maybe somewhere between twenty five and three thousand a month. Okay, I've never really seen a benefit more than three grand a month. I think that's about the highest. But here's some interesting things. Obviously, it's based on how much you were earning, right? And this can get very, very political. Okay, Social Security replaces a higher. Uh, if, if you were earning more, you're going to get a higher benefit. But percentage-wise, Social Security replaces more of a lower earning person's income than a higher earning. So what I'm saying is, it's called the wage base. They'll tax your wages up to about 115,000. That's called the wage base. So somebody making 110, 100 grand is paying double in tax what somebody making 50 grand was. Sure. You know, they're both paying seven and a half percent. Right. But they're not getting double the benefit. Okay. It's front loaded, meaning the person making 30 grand is getting a higher percentage of their pay made up by SOCH than the person making 100. So the more you make. What I'm saying is you get less bang for your buck. You're paying more, but you're, you're getting less return from SOCH right. for that. And a lot of people don't realize that 
once you make more than 110, you're not paying any more social tax, but your your social benefit is is capped also. Hmm. Politically, a lot of people say, well, those people are, are they're getting scot free. You know, the the wealthy are they're skimming the system or whatever because they're not having to pay social tax. You know, over 110,000. Well, that's because their benefit isn't going up either. Okay. Okay. In fact, they're getting less of a percentage of their income back from Soch than right. the person making making less. So they're actually, they got less bang for their buck as they made more money, you know, 70, 80, 90, 100. So if, if uh, some people politically have said, I'm, I'm not saying this is right or wrong, I'm just telling you, if people say, well, they should be taxed on all their wages, you know, 400 grand, 500 grand, if you don't change, if, if, you, if you keep their benefit capped, then they're just paying money for nothing. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? The, the, the wages over 110,000, they'll be paying Soch taxes but they'll be getting zero back right. uh, from, from all that extra money. That all will all be going to other people. So I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I just want to make that, make that clear because sometimes I hear that politically. People say, oh, well, they're, sure. you know, those people with high incomes, they're, they're skating. You know, they're paying nothing after 110. Well, that's because their benefit is capped. Alex, some really good stuff, some excellent insight for our listeners who are probably very curious about this, especially as you mentioned, you get closer to that retirement age. I appreciate you coming on and sharing with us today. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. That'll wrap things up for us on this edition of Management Decisions. A thank you once again to Alex Manassa, Senior Financial Advisor for Zarka Financial, and helping us dissect a little bit this idea of Social Security and what's going to be left for us down the road. If you'd like to give us some feedback on this show, send us an email, ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. You can find us on Twitter, at the LJN, and you can check out all of our shows on iTunes as well. For everyone here at the Local Job Network, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody. Take care, everybody.